0: Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 571. Let's get right into it. We're doing it. This episode is uh, Ed Helms returning after two years. I cannot believe it's been that long. Um, Ed is... Well, besides being an incredibly talented actor and comedy person, is also uh, a bluegrass aficionado and an excellent banjo player. And he is promoting the Bluegrass Situation in L.A., which is a bluegrass music festival, October 10th and 11th at the Ace Hotel uh, in Los Angeles. Tickets can be found at thebluegrasssituation.com. I think if you accidentally type in Bluegrass Situation and you omit the the, it will take you to thebluegrasssituation.net. They, they got both. They got a, they got a URL uh, redirect, which, is, uh, which was very smart on their part. Uh, but the, this Bluegrass Situation Music Festival is great. I've been to it. I've performed in it. And it's super fun. So uh, October 10th and 11th. Right now, here's Ed Helms and there's Podcast number 571.
2: Now entering Nerdist.com.
1: Ed Helms, it's been, I think, maybe like two years since you were on the podcast the last time. I think you're right. Yeah. What if I What if I was just really behind? I'm like, so how's the office going? <laughs> Still
3: good. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh. And Chris, how is single out? Uh, great? Singled out's
1: going really well. We're, we're in our 21st season. And, uh, you're engaged to Jenny McCarthy. Yeah. 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 All right. And she just married Donnie Wahlberg, but I was like, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny all the i was just in chicago i was actually in i was performing in chicago the day that she got married and people were like are you going to the wedding I'm like, <laughs> i think uh wins the last time what
3: was your relationship with her like at we on the show
1: very we were very we were friends we were very she's she was always
3: did you have a huge crush on her
1: i did not have a huge crush on her actually, uh, why because um when i first met jenny uh I I I never I never went after uh, my, like my the type of girl that I was always interested in was not thinks like, vaccinations are good yeah mm-hmm, that's right <laughs> <laughs> so I dated a lot of veterinarians <laughs> um, she she was, uh, The playmate was not my type of Mm. girl, Mm. and so when I first met Jenny, when they first cast her on the show, they actually had to deplaymate her because she had like acid-washed jeans and like giant hair and lots of makeup, and they actually kind of like slicked her up a bit, like made her cooler, like they they just they MTV'd her, yeah, they MTV'd her, they de they deplaymated her, but but the playmate image was always and and it was just never, you know, and people never believed that when they were when I was like. They're like, oh, something must happen. I was like, but I, why wasn't. We were never attracted to each other in that way. And they're like, come on. And I'm like, it's possible that she's just not my type of girl. And they're like, oh, what are you gay? And I'm like, yeah, because being gay is about not fucking girls that you find attractive. That's right. really what that is. Yeah. Um. But uh. But it, she was just never. We just never had that kind of chemistry. It was, very, of- it was very. It was very brother sister, but not sure. Not uh. Not incestuous. Touchy. Yeah. Brother sister, <laughs> but not touchy pokey. Um.
3: All right, all right. A Lot of denial. I don't know. I
1: don't know. I don't know if. Uh... No, all I'm saying is. No, you're the one. I clearly touched a nerve. <laughs> no, but it was
3: a it was a question that. Uh... Well, can I say at that time when I was watching MTV, very attracted to Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> yes, yes,
1: and singled out, and you, you were attracted course. to me as well, and yeah, the show. sure. It's a great show but i was dating um my girlfriend at the time was uh her name was Jacinda she was on the real world london okay and so that was you know Jacinda was more the my my type of girl like tall tall girl sure uh i don't know it was it was it, so i was in a relationship the whole time cool as, as well never never had sex with anyone from that show not one person uh it was like a I'm trying to remember the the premise It was like how sort of a cattle call mm-hmm. dating game That's right? exactly what it yeah. was Yeah, it was a cattle call It was basically an elimination You know, like a mass elimination right. show Right, right, right um, Where I think their sell for it was you know, because uh, in real life, you know, we we eliminate people based on like boob size and package <laughs> size, and like the fact that there was a category, like there was a, there was a dick category where it would like package size, and then a bunch of people get eliminated. And by but the way, how would they would have? No one ever eliminated big packages, by the way. It was always <laughs> the smallest packages were. But uh, presumably, you couldn't you
3: you didn't see people's packages.
1: Yes, we had a very thorough, (laughs) everyone had to see a physician. Everyone had to have a full package analysis. There was a uh, measurement. uh, (laughs) Okay. It was sort of like... You know how like when you're growing up and your mom just like puts the little marks all right. the way up the door jam. Sure, it's we all the contestants had to lay down on their backs. Got it. Uh, and then up against the door jam, sure. there was a your dick must be this tall to ride this ride. Right. Yeah. So that's 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 exactly how we. That I mean, that's literally how the show worked. I don't know if that was okay <laughs> or legal, but I can 100 percent say that that's exactly what happened. It's it, that's the charm. <laughs> that's the charm. <laughs> that's right. But that show. Uh, it's funny that people still. It's still people go, uh, "Hey, uh, singled out." I'm like, I can't believe you. It was like tw- twenty years. It was ago. A,
3: well that at that time, I think in MTV was such a kind of culture definer mm-hmm. for for people, especially like in our what what are we X generation, We're X? Gen Xers, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that was that was huge. MTV was it was just. In that time of like, oh, they don't just play music videos. They have other cool stuff. And now we're in a place where it's like, why don't they play any music videos? <laughs> All they have is lame stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, also, we are not in the demographic anymore. Uh, well, I, I'm i hip. Yes, I, I'm <laughs> aware. I'm also a hip Yeah, person, but uh, but I think we are not. I I am deeply offended that you think MTV is not aimed at me. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's aimed at uh, actors ages thirty six to forty four who enjoy bluegrass music.
3: It is so funny. You're right. Like we just project our lack of understanding. Like it's so funny how easy it is to not understand something and then and then not understand why you don't understand it
1: like <laughs> well people who are our age now i'm sure were like singled out as the decline of modern civilization <laughs> yeah. and it's a piece of shit <laughs> and you know but 15 year old like if you were if you were like 12 to 22 when that show was on yeah you were you know you were psyched and you wanted that and a uh, heavy
3: dose of Ken Ober mm-hmm. and uh, Remote Control.
1: Yeah. Oh, remote. No, Remote Control was late. Not 80s. Ken Ober. Sorry, he was news. No, he no, 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 He was a VJ. No, Ken. Ken hosted Remote Control. You were right. Okay, Ken I was right that was about in the that. late eighties. Um, that was before. It was way that was before. that was, yeah, that before. was, yeah, before. That was like eighty okay. eight, and that, that was, like was 88, Colin it, Quinn. It, that was Colin and Adam Sandler and. And, uh, and Kari. Whir, whir, whir. See my references? How dare you say I'm not hip? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, Kurt Loder was MTV News. Yes, of course. Kurt Loder and John Norris and Tabitha Soren were all oh, MTV News. Big crush on Tabitha
3: Soren. Yeah, And then she kind of went legit. Like, she did a bunch of real news documentary kind of stuff,
1: yeah, I, I think, what she's, a I don't know what she's doing now. I don't know what Tabitha's doing now. Um, Kennedy. Kennedy's still around. Um, and, and who delightful. was the who was the guy
3: with the, that that had the hair like the big hair the hair metal looking rocker uh which, video which guy, Jockey. Ricky rackman or uh uh he, he he looked like he looked like a glam rock guy he was really um oh he uh, had like a lion mane of hair
1: oh 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 you 're talking about john cencio am i, I john cencio had name. a lion mane of like yeah. of blonde hair okay um but but maybe there were maybe there were some others it was such an interesting it was such an interesting time because now i mean now like vivo is basically where people watch or or anywhere else online right. it's not it's you know it mtv was revolutionary because they had stuff that you couldn't really see anywhere else now yeah. well, now you can see now you can see all that shit everywhere right and people don't even have the attention spans to watch music videos anyway yeah and and
3: at the time also like music videos was where directors were doing incredibly out there unusual avant-garde like things like
1: and Mark Romanek and yeah,
3: like Chris and- Cunningham and 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 Spike Jones and yeah. all these guys were like doing exceptionally cool stuff which is now the same stuff that networks use for their bumpers,
1: right? <laughs> well, and it's, so it's like ubiquitous. And it was a period of time where people would sink a million dollars into a music video. Mm-hmm. Remember when Thriller came out? It was like this video cost a million dollars, but those were early eighties dollars. But still, going, you know, like into the nineties, and the music business was still like this train's never going to stop. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> they, would, <laughs> they would spend they would spend a million dollars. But I think a lot of people didn't realize that so many musicians were broke a lot of the time because they had to pay for all that shit. So like, you know... Uh, people, wow, People yeah. like Trent Reznor would make these fucking amazing videos but then still have to pay for them. Really? Like yeah. Interscope didn't pay for that kind of stuff? They bill it all back to the artist. It's all recoupable. So they... um, You know, every dollar... It was, was kind of one of the fucked up things about the about the label business and why I think our, yeah. a lot of artists right like... I'd rather just sell directly to the people. Because oh, I my, I can just email my music. Yeah, to exactly. People? Yeah, because um, you know these giant these the, the record label machine was very helpful in the sense that it was the only way to really ensure that an artist could get properly promoted and put in right. stores and get radio play and all that stuff. But the the other side of it was that you know, like they had to pay. Everything came out of what the artists, like the labels didn't pay for anything. Right. Right. So I had a friend who was in a band and he said one year the band got all these, like, um, this will tell you around when this was, but these like CD clock radios, like little CD player clock radios, and on their next expense statement, they noticed that they got expensed for. Like they had to pay it back. It's like we didn't even want these, and we had to pay back. They the were label. like a, it was like a Christmas gift, yeah. yeah. And they got yeah. billed for they it. They got billed for it. That is Scrooge. It was on, it was on their like statement. that is
3: that's how Scrooge operates.
1: Well, yes, they, they the music industry was you know it created superstars, but it was you know largely monstrous to people <laughs> and. So, you know, it was just a fucked up way to... I mean, CD clock radios? Yeah. I mean, there were some artists who basically... And, and, you know, I know that uh, on the label side, there was money that they just would never get back. And it was just part of the ebb and flow of like, well, these artists are huge and we invested money in these artists and we're never going to see it. And those artists are never going to be able to pay it back. And it's it's not like they would go after those artists if they got a huge advance and never made it back.
3: Uh, You owe us for three CD clock
1: radios. (laughs) But, but I know that there are stories of, uh, there was another guy who, um, was an artist at a label and he, you know, years later wrote a jingle for a, you know, like a car company. And, was supposed to get a bunch of money And then the record label took it Because they were like Well, no, you owe us this money From before Like they found out that So, you know It's hard to feel too bad <laughs> when, the music, when the music industry is like We're being bled dry it's like, well Yeah, it doesn't feel good, does it? Yeah, right, <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> no, you're recouping all we're recouping all this money that you took. The your advance period was fifty-five, nineteen fifty-five to two thousand three. Right. No, that was your advance period. And now we have to recoup all that. The rest of society has to recoup all that. Payback's some bitch.
3: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, now we're recouping. We're recouping. Yeah. I love your obsession with bluegrass music. I am also obsessed with bluegrass but i believe that you are but you a- hide it you're a closet i'm Closeted. not a, i'm not a closet i just don't play a bluegrass instrument so i feel like that you know but i do it's one of the stations that i have on my sirius xm presets is the bluegrass station bluegrass junction and it's fucking great yeah
3: yeah i mean i i think it's i don't know i, I just have always loved it but it 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 does i feel like tap a a nerve that is ancient within us. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, just good,
1: good folk melodies that are, that are decades or centuries old. Well, it's not Uh, even that, but the instrumentation, I feel just, I feel like it boils down. Yeah. The most basic elements of how you can hear music. You have this bassy part, you have this high end part, you have this little bit of a rhythm part Mm -hmm. and you have a percussive part. And ideally, you've got two or three people shouting <laughs> in beautiful harmony.
3: Yeah. Um, that's one of the peculiar things I think about, about bluegrass or, or the high lonesome sound, as it's known, like kind of traditional bluegrass, um, is that it takes place in a register vocally that's often very uncomfortable for the singer. <laughs> so it has this like kind of raw edge to it because it's a voices are strained a yes. lot of times, especially those old, those
1: well, old now, <laughs> yeah. now, now, now. you got to get, get up there. Yeah. You got to get up. It's, it comes from the diaphragm. Mm hmm. hmm. comes from deep in your scrotum. There's not a lot of, <laughs> there's, not, there's not a lot of bassy bluegrass singers. Uh, they're out there. They're out there, but yeah, uh, it's,
3: um, it's a really cool, it's a really cool art form. And uh, I think a lot of those guys got boned by the music industry too.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because they just didn't know what to do. You know, I, I had some, um, as I've mentioned a few times on the podcast, but I had some friends of this band called the Cousin Lovers, and they would write bluegrass songs with contemporary themes and lyrics. Right, and they were f- a fucking amazing live band, like one of the most amazing live bands I've ever seen. And I remember, like, they would they used to you know they would have this huge following around Los Angeles. Every time they played, their shows would be full. And then they would, they went to Nashville for a while and they were like, they didn't know what to do with us because we weren't traditional bluegrass. We weren't country. Right. There wasn't any place to put us. When was that? This was pre, pre like internet, yeah. you know, like file sharing boom. So it was. I think now
3: it's 2000, like, 2001. Okay. Yeah. Now is an uh, incredibly exciting time for, for all forms of roots music, Americana, bluegrass. Folk blues, just all that stuff feels like, and I don't know if it's a response to being inundated by technology the way we are now that people are sort of craving something simpler and and uh, and a connection to an older time but but the music is thriving, and the I feel like now if a band like that went to Nashville, they would be snatched up because. Um, or they wouldn't even necessarily need to go to Nashville. They could go to New York City or or here in Los Angeles, um, because the the community, the the kind of acoustic music community, is really charging forward into some like exciting progressive areas. And bands like the Punch Brothers I love and the Punch Brothers, yeah, they're they're just a, they, they what they do musically is so profoundly intricate and uh, the musicality, the musicianship, I should say, is, um, it's on par with, you know, a uh, 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 what I, I pulled. It's I pulled, on par. I should, I finish, should finish that sentence. It's on par with Beethoven.
1: Well, the, uh, the Punch Brothers, um, I, uh, I pulled off the internets. They did, uh, this thing. I believe this was, maybe it was in Portland. Chamber music Northwest. Does that sound... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that sound like Portland? And um, it, it's just, it's one of those play, it, it It's basically in a place where there's usually chamber music, but the bluegrass just, it just cuts through and bounces off the walls in such a gorgeous way. Yeah. And I love that, the thing that I love about how it, how the music sounds is that it, to me, it sort of has this feeling of like, some guys pulled some stuff out of a junkyard in the Appalachian mountains and built their instruments Yeah, and they basically just had whatever they could find to make sounds and then their voices and that's it. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about those guys, the the
3: punch brothers in particular, if you look at a picture of them, you're like, Oh, it's a bluegrass band. But then when you hear them, they're, they're all over the map and they can do, uh, they just, um, did this artist residency program at the uh, Oberlin conservatory, which Oberlin college is where I went. And, and one of the members of the punch brothers went there, Chris Eldridge, the guitar player. Uh, and they did a this roots residency program at the conservatory and they were working with chamber musicians and working with classical uh, musicians and, and doing workshops uh, about their about roots music but also about classical music and how chamber music works and the the ways in which a a band an acoustic band like the Punch Brothers approaches an ensemble and how that relates to how a a a string quartet might approach and and they wound up playing this big I saw a concert at Oberlin where the Punch Brothers played um among other things uh one of the Brandenburg concertos with oh my uh with the uh, members of the Oberlin conservatory community. And it was jaw dropping. I is mean recordingly? Uh absolutely. I don't know where, but uh To the internet. <laughs> but yes, Google. But uh but that sort of thing I think is just emblematic of the excitement and uh progressive Mentality of a lot of acoustic musicians right now and and it's why uh I think even as someone who loves the traditional bluegrass sound and really, if I was like trapped on a desert island, all I would want is like a bill monroe c d <laughs> but um but I think it, it's you can sort of feel the appreciation for that and this just like wave of passionate new directions that's just this to me it's like it's just as exciting it's all from the same family berkeley school of music in boston they're churning out like this is a serious music professional training school and they're they now have a banjo program and a mandolin program and uh, and they're churning out musicians like sarah gerose who's just crushing it out there with beautiful progressive acoustic music but deeply rooted in in bluegrass and um and it's just a I don't know I think it's a really exciting time
1: Did, I wonder if this is, I feel like maybe it was you the last time you were on so I apologize if I'm covering the same territory because but it was a couple of years ago but was it you that I talked about the Maddox Brothers and Rose with? Do you know Maddox Brothers and Rose? It was an old radio show on the, I think on the West Coast. And it was that kind of, you know, it was just like a, from like, like the, maybe the 30s or the 40s. Yeah. And it was one of those, gather around folks, the Maddox Brothers and Rose. And they would do like a couple <laughs> weird comedy bits. Right. That were stiff I don't know if we but talked charming. about that. Yeah. And then they would go into um, the bluegrass. Some songs. And, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, there's a great tradition of those, uh, Porter Wagoner, you know, like these great old uh, variety shows, be they television or radio. Um, and uh, Dolly Parton did, did some and like some of these live specials. It's such a – it's just a great – it's a, it's also a music that that welcomes and people and kind of brings, I think, people together like – You know, people who are fans of indie rock or hip hop or whatever, that's a, 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 which I am also, those are forms of music that um, it's usually a performer and an audience. Um, And if you go to a a music festival, an indie rock festival, uh, you're going to different venues and you're watching these shows. When you go to a bluegrass festival, fully 60% if not more of the audience are also musicians and you're walking around the campsites or the parking lot and there's just infinite jam sessions going on. (laughs) And sometimes some of these major artists are out there in the parking lots jamming along with fans and it's the most inclusive, uh, dynamic relationship kind of give and take with, with artists. I think, it's part of what makes bluegrass
1: that world, that community so special and unique. It'd be kind of interesting to see almost like like these weird covalent musical bonds where <laughs> you have one group one bluegrass group is walking and passing another and then all of a sudden they just meld and then when they break apart, like they've switched some of the instrumentation, right? right. <laughs> but it just all blends right in. But I think switch some electrons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think part of what is uh, Part of what certainly made it work for the early days of radio is that all of the tones um, cut through the, for for a low fidelity, yes, you have very bassy parts and very high parts, and like all of the pieces um, they 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 layer together very nicely, mm-hmm. but uh, no one tone is like any other tone in a bluegrass band like vocally or or with the instrumentation, and so it makes it very easy to hear i mean. I just have these kind of like weird, almost peaceful fantasies about just being in a little house in the middle of nowhere, like in the early days of California, or you know where, and hearing a crackly, broadcast. hearing a cl- just sitting on a couch and just like hearing a crackly broadcast, just ca- and then like that's that's your night, yeah. It just feels that sounds so peaceful to me,
3: yeah. That 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 can be yours. <laughs> I guess I could have that right. if I really wanted you could it. Could go to, too easily distracted. Uh, <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm completely Yeah, no it's not possible anymore. Um, we're we're way past it. Doesn't matter
3: anymore. <laughs> Last time I went camping, I brought I downloaded a bunch of like uh, podcasts and things that I was like, "Oh, I'm going to sit out under the stars and listen to this stuff." And once I was out there, I just didn't even want to touch my phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when That's how funny. often do you go camping? Uh, infrequently, but okay. a couple of times a year. Nope. I actually just got back from eight nights of camping, uh, rafting down the Colorado River. How was that? The Grand Canyon. Let me tell you something. It is transformative. It is really? the most. There, there is a yeah. I, it just was uh, life changing. Like I am a more peaceful person now, and I think it's permanent.
1: Really, I think the it's think not the, just for the couple days after the trip. I think the Grand
3: Canyon. Uh yeah, it just I don't know what it it's so awe-inspiring and fun and exciting and also we we camped but we never well one night we slept in our tent because it rained. The rest of the nights we're just out under the stars and you can see I counted 740 billion stars. That's a lot. That's that's a big number. Yeah. But you can see the you can like the Milky Way is just pouring all over your face so you're not worried about like
1: a bear snacking on your face or a spider laying eggs in your dick or anything (laughs) first of all
3: i can think of nothing
1: hotter than
3: a spider (laughs) laying eggs in my dick i think that there's a uh (laughs) pretty sure there's a there's a fetish for that um how do you like it dick says the spider (laughs) but uh uh, no, it's interesting. When you're in the Grand Canyon, it is uh, its own ecology, and it's very limited because it's so – I mean, you're, there's 2,000-foot cliffs all around. So the, the largest predator where we – it's not even a predator. The largest animal was a bighorn sheep, and we did bar- and we barely ever saw them. The scariest thing are scorpions, and oh. I saw one scorpion the whole time and uh and he had already been stepped on by accident. <laughs> oh, oh. Um I did get a red ant bite, which doesn't sound bad, but it hurt like a motherfucker. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> did you see it happen or did you just feel it? I felt it and then I was like, "Oh, I got a red ant bite." And then our our guide, our rafting guide was like, "Uh, you should go pee in a bucket and just soak your foot in it for 5 minutes." And I was like, "You know what? I'm in the wild." I'm going to do that So I went and peed in a bucket And I soaked my my ant sting in it And I was like This isn't that bad And then like 45 minutes later Throbbing agony in my foot (laughs) Really? Yeah (laughs) From the pee or the ant bite? That's unclear That's (laughs) unclear So I peed Um, in
1: a bucket And put my foot in like I said what? <laughs> I was fucking around. Really? Don't Who would you know do that's that? toxic?
3: <laughs>
1: you have you put... a staph infection. <laughs> we have to airlift you out of here. Pee is waste. I thought it was sterile. Nah, 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 nah. That's a load of shit. Oh, that so you... said,
3: come to my tent later and pee on me, please. <laughs> I because some... I will have a spider
1: I have some, uh, in my day. I have some ant bites on my tongue. And... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need you to sterilize this. <laughs> um,
3: I feel better already, but uh, like a couple of Advil and an hour later, it was fine. But totally fine. um, but it's yeah. Usually, I was for some reason the scorpions kind of got into my um my psyche a little bit, and I was skittish about them. Uh, but I didn't really need to be, and it was. It just was incredible. The rapids on the Colorado River are so unfathomably
1: huge. They're ju- It's like I didn't know that water could behave like that. Well, they don't call them slopids. Come on. Someone had to do that joke it's at some point. Slope- it is a Simpsons joke, right? Yeah. Slopids? Slopids. Yeah. Is it Homer that says? It's a Ned Flanders when they're on the voice guy. That's right. Um, oh, where they disappear and then they find the Krusty the Burger on the oil rig? Yeah, the good, good That call. is a classic... Nice placement, by the way. Oh, Ernest Borgnine's in that one, and he like he goes to find his trusty knife, but then Homer. Homer Yeah. Okay. Good. It's all coming back. Good. 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 I just made a Ned Flanders joke. Good. (laughs) Did you do the uh,
3: the marathon? Has that happened yet? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I
1: caught. I mean, I would jump in. I would jump in and catch some of it. You know, like whenever I could. But is the app out now? Uh, I
3: think it's next
1: month. Now that wasn't. That wasn't commercial free, was it?
3: That wasn't just like wall to wall Simpsons, because that would be balls. Like if they had commercials for the
1: entire run. Okay. Yeah, but I think F- yeah, I think Jonah said FX's number FXX's numbers like crushed everyone. Yeah. yeah. From that from that marathon. Um. Uh. But it it is uh. It, I, every time I'm out, like I was just performing in Salt Lake and Seattle and uh, um. And Denver, and it's that kind of upper left-hand region of the country. Mm-hmm. Some call it the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I wouldn't really count Utah as part of the Pacific Northwest or Denver. But no, upper left. But the upper left c- sure. quadrant of the country. It's It really is. I mean, like, Utah is a whole different kind of stunning than, than Washington, um, which I, is different than Colorado, but it's so... It's I, like the...
3: Yeah, the our country has so many staggeringly beautiful places and they're wildly different. Yeah, I, I am like to, to go from like Hawaii to the Grand Canyon could not be to Alaska to like Alaskan tundra, like all beautiful, all completely different. You need to do stand up in the Grand Canyon. Just
1: alone? Yeah. Or for the scorpions? Yeah, like for... I mean, the band. For for the ants. And <laughs> <laughs> for the
3: band.
1: <laughs> That's where you know you're about to get bitten. <laughs> you're about to get stuck <laughs> by a scorpion. They warn they you start whistling with the winds, winds of, of change. change. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I wish... <laughs> that Do you hear that? True. Oh, my God. <laughs> ah, it's getting louder.
3: Oh, God. I love it. I'd also like to step off The uh, an airplane anytime I landed in Europe and hear, (laughs) (laughs)
1: um,
3: what else? And then, what other moment when you land in Asia?
1: (laughs) Um, I, uh, what was I saying about the Grand Canyon? You said it was transformative, you said you got bitten by a fire ant, a a red ant, you said crazy rapids, you said, oh, here's what it was. You said you were saying that the um. The 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 rapids were so unlike anything that you had ever seen yeah. that it was hard to really. I, it's it can't be conveyed the, the like the experience
3: of riding through. These... And you're not
1: freaked out at all.
3: Well, the so there's different ways to actually run the river. You can run it in uh, what's called a dory, which is like a fiberglass boat, kind of like a giant rowboat, essentially. And that will give you a very wild ride because it just gets pitched and, and those flip over and all kinds of stuff. You can ride it on a conventional like six-person raft, which is also a very wild ride. Or you can do what we did because my, uh, my mom came and some of my young nieces and nephews and a bunch of family. So we wanted sort of the safest, most comfortable run. And that was on these big kind of barge rafts that are virtually unflippable. So at no point are we concerned for our safety. It just was, uh, it just is so massive and, and thrilling. It's like a roller coaster. That said, one guy in our party did get washed off a raft during a rapid. But even then, as big as the rapids are, they're not... I and this could be grossly naive, um, but I don't think they're as dangerous as a lot of other kinds of rivers because the volume of water is so massive that it's not getting hung up on anything. It's not slamming you. The, most rocks are submerged. It's uh, you're going to wash through. So you have your life jacket on, and even though these waves are like 15 feet tall and and Spashing into you and it's still water and you're going to wash out of it. Wow. Whereas like other kinds of rivers, you know, that have different kinds of obstacle, like you can get trapped under things and get pinned into things. and those are really scary. Colorado river doesn't feel as scary, even though it's the biggest
1: water I've ever seen. And so you, uh, you just sort of park the boat every day and then get off and then you're like, okay, let's, uh, all, all day long, every day,
3: you're you're going down the river. You're hitting huge rapids, and you're also stopping and taking these jaw dropping hikes up into side canyons. And you're and then around four o'clock each day, you uh, find a beach that you pull over and set up camp. God damn it! That sounds so great. It's unbelievable. And even people on the trip, we had all family on this trip, so. It was, uh, it, it was a good crowd. We knew everybody. But I think even most people who run it, you ju- usually just sign up for a larger trip and then mm-hmm. you're with a group. It wouldn't matter. If you're with com- complete strangers, it's just you're going to have a great time. And and I, I will say this, too. like People who had limited outdoor experience and were intimidated by the camping aspect and everything just had a ball. You know, like we're... Completely excited and thrilled the whole time. It's it's awesome. And do you, do you do you bring food for eight days or do you try to? So you you go. It's very heavily regulated. It's national park, so it's mm-hmm. heavily regulated, and uh, and there are just a few guide companies that are permitted to uh, to run the river. They also issue a certain number of private permits um, per year. But we went with a guide company, and they outfit you with. All of the supplies essentially, and the guides really help a lot with cooking and all that kind of stuff so it 's not it's 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 actually it 's not like the camping part is pretty easy
1: you 're not survivor man no you 're not bear grills in it out there um, <laughs> although I think when 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 they 're shooting those nature specials a lot of time there 's usually someone just off camera just like handing them someone 's gutted a snake and they 've handed it to them
3: right <laughs> yeah or it 's like I just need a corn dog real bad right now. Turn the camera <laughs> off <laughs> um, also but also on that trip, uh my two buddies, Jake and Ian, who are my college buddies with whom I still play music in uh the Lonesome trio that's mm-hmm. our that's our our little group that that we've been playing together for twenty years, they were also on this trip and uh we brought instruments and just played music every night oh like, man yeah in, this sounds
1: amazing Like
3: the cathedral of mother nature just <sighs> resonating off canyon walls
1: are you completely off the grid do your phones work at all
3: completely off the grid eight days What wow. we, we were all sort of uh, you know wondering what major earth like Earth-changing event happened while we were in the camp. Oh, hey guys, turns the out- apocalypse
1: happened. Yeah, yep, no more civilization. Well- turns out nothing different happened. <laughs>
3: turns out you can go off the grid for eight days and come back in without a hitch.
1: It turns out humanity was
3: off the grid for ten thousand years. <laughs> oh, this was great. So I set up an auto-reply on my email. Yeah, and it uh, just said, "Hey, I'm I'm on vacation and won't have access to email or phone." Blah blah blah. Then uh, I get back. <laughs> and i and my inbox has 3000 messages <laughs> and i was like i was like all right well i no. i figured i'd have a bunch yeah. but 3000 in 8 days i think is weird so i start going through it and i realized that what had happened was uh, a spam not not like unknown spam but something that i subscribed to or something like a like a i don't know like a retailer or something it's just sent me a spam note and I had auto-replied to it and then they had an auto-reply so they were just to that to to, kicking back and forth they basically had a note that said like please don't reply to this email address and it had turned into
1: this like <laughs> feedback loop this no you don't reply to this no yeah. i mean it you stop replying to no, this no i'm out of town well i am an auto replier and i am telling you to stop auto replying <laughs> but i'm out of town yeah well i'm an auto replier and i'm but telling I'm you to out sta- of town. but i'm telling you to stop auto replying i'm telling you i can't no i'm reply. telling you you need to know you're the, i'm out of town i am an auto replier though <laughs> this is what i was built for and you should not auto reply to me i
3: can't help it This is what I do. (laughs) This is me. Me. And and it was like thousands of of this. (laughs) And thank God it happened like right towards the end of the week. Otherwise, I would have had like (laughs) 10,000 messages. (laughs) But that was it made me wonder, though, how much of like. So this this thing was happening in the Internet that had no human oversight. It was a reflexive feedback loop of email that no humans were monitoring or even aware of. Right. And uh, it would have gone on indefinitely Mm -hmm. had I not emerged from the canyon and put a stop to it. It made me wonder how many things like that are going on in the Internet
1: and just eating up. Ohms and watts of electricity, you just and don't just see it because it's all you know. It just gets kicked into spam filters, or it's you know, um, it. I, I, my, my email is very heavily filtered uh-huh. in ways where my ma- my my main main inbox never really has yeah an exorbitant amount right, of, right because right. everything's you know no but
3: I'm not talking I mean I, I I know this because most of my emails to you get kicked back to <laughs> that's not <laughs> true um, but I. I'm just wondering. I, I'm not even talking email specifically. I mean, like the way that uh, that business, um, you know, like online businesses work together, and there, there are all these automated things that are very possibly
1: just getting in these feedback. I loops. would love to find out what the oldest auto responder is like. Let's say there was a company from like twenty years ago, and the company folded or someone died or something but it just kept it uh-huh. just kept spinning its wheels <laughs> that it's just still floating out there somewhere just still like please respond to me please respond yeah. to me please respond to me it's the uh it's Jenny McCarthy at SingledOut.com .mtv.com <laughs> <Dot> <laughs> <Dot> mtv. <com. laughs> <laughs> the uh the the, is the bluegrass festival it's in october right
3: yeah okay yeah so i'm glad you asked the uh the so the bluegrasssituation.com is this um really cool fun resource for for acoustic music fans americana fans um and it's uh it's something i helped start and it's i'm really proud of it and it, it's got great articles and music premieres and all kinds of, sort of like the pitchfork of that, of bluegrass. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a, uh, a signature festival, which is, uh, which is this October at uh, the Ace Hotel, that new theater that got renovated at the Ace Hotel. Oh, nice. Downtown. Yeah. Because it was at Largo. Because I I did it at Largo. Yeah, of course. That's right. You were on it. And the, the first, um, so the the festival actually predates the, the bluegrass situation dot com, mm-hmm. which kind of grew out of the the fun and success of the festival. But it but festival is kind of a liberal term. It was really just a weekend of programming at Largo that uh that Flanny and I put put together and and booked a lot of our friends like you and and Steve Martin and Steve Canyon Rangers and the Punch Brothers mm-hmm. and uh a a bunch of we just had Great luck out of the gate, and that was in 2010 I think the first one and uh and it's it's just growing it's been super cool and super fun and
1: uh, uh, we would like to have you back or I would love no, to I'd, no I would <laughs> love to because I, every time there's so many songs I, I love you know I love making weird covers of songs, and I always want to do bluegrass covers of songs because it just it, it, it's such a fun experiment to see how do you distill this bigger song down right. into like four basic elements.
3: Well, I will say that that bluegrass covers of pop songs is kind of a touchy area for bluegrass fans because it feels like, like a lot of bluegrass fans feel like oh that's that's just easy low hanging fruit yeah. you know you can whatever but occasionally one will break through that. It feels super authentic to uh, both the spirit of the original song and the artists who are covering it in a, in a kind of acoustic or bluegrass fashion. Um, and it's really cool and exciting. I, you know, I think there, there's—we uh, we actually just did a posting on the thebluegrasssituation.com of eight or nine of what we thought were the best covers uh, of, of pop songs— and some of them, there's there's this one of uh of an old of this like old banjo player playing solo and singing uh Beyoncé's uh All the Single Ladies. And it's mind-blowing because the way he's singing it, it it I don't know. To me, it, it made this kind of beautiful connection between music. That's obviously like a crazy dance club song. And here's a guy playing it in a, in a way that you'd never expect, but it has, it sounds great. And it actually, the, you, when you hear it through this guy, you realize that, that some of Beyonce's melodies and, and, uh, and the way that, um, that she, she's sang it, 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 it is connected and harkens back to some of the old lines and traditions of, of old, older music. and, uh, and it
1: works What's the guy's name? I can't remember It's on your site though?
3: Yeah the, It's on the site The Bluegrass
1: Situation The Bluegrass Situation
3: Yeah the TheBluegrassSituation.com Or I, I think BluegrassSituation.com Will get, get you there too
1: um, Who's playing
3: this year? So this year The lineup is There's two nights uh, Friday night October 10th Is sort of A more traditional uh, Night A nod towards More traditional music With the Carolina Chocolate Drops um who are fantastic Josh Ritter uh-huh. uh and Willie Watson who is uh really an incredible old time player he just sounds he's he's timeless Willie Watson it just sounds like he could be on a on a train through St. Louis in 1920 or you know playing uh at Staples Center <laughs> Um so there that's Friday night Saturday night October 11th is um a more getting into the more progressive area with some indie rock bands that cross over into acoustic bluegrassy stuff uh Lord Huron, Blind Pilot, um Langhorne Slim and Shaky Graves. And I'm I'm just I can't believe the people we got. I think this lineup is unreal it's going to be nice is everyone
1: playing full sets or just like short
3: sets uh, it'll be um, probably not full sets uh, like an hour each but um, but good i 'm actually not sure how it's going to be distributed, but everyone will get a good good chunk of time that's great and are you looking to do this more than once a year or tour it or that's a great question uh, we 've done think we've popped up at other events. Uh, I hosted a stage at Bonnaroo the last two years, the bluegrass situation stage, which was such a blast. We basically had, uh, five artists throughout the course of a day. We had like one day, sorry, I'm, I'm jumbling up here. We, I hosted this stage at Bonnaroo where, uh, for one full day the bluegrass situation curated a stage mm-hmm. we had five artists and then at the end we had this super jam which i hosted and played in and uh and we had most of the artists from that day would play and then a bunch of guest people kind of out of nowhere showed up and and even some people like this year uh Derek Bentley just showed up from Nashville cuz i texted him and he wanted to be there and then um, the Avid brothers had just finished a set on the main stage. And, oh, the, wow. the, and so they popped over and we did a, a song and it was, it was super, super fun. So that was, that's the kind, that's a little bit of what we're doing outside of the LA festival. Um, uh, Bonnaroo. We also have kind of, we cover a lot of stuff like at the Telluride bluegrass festival and Merle fest and, uh, the Newport folk festival, uh, we're having kind of a presence at those things. But I think our mothership is really this L.A. festival, which we're still growing. And I think it, the potential is enormous.
1: Well, and just in case people... I'm sure most people know, but you are a banjo player and, uh, and a damn fine banjo player. Thank you. How often do you practice? Uh, it varies. Sometimes,
3: like if I'm in production on a on a movie or something, very little. But... Uh, if I know I have a show coming up and I go into panic mode and I can, I can be practicing
1: four hours a day.
3: So it's a, it's a bit of a crapshoot.
1: Banjo, to me, feels like an instrument where if you don't practice regularly...
3: Oh, yeah, you get rusty.
1: <laughs> yeah, because at least, you know, like if you're with guitar, unless you're playing, unless you're doing a ton of solos, obviously you would need to practice that, but it just feels like with banjo there's so much finger articulation it's all dexterity and what 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 i find i lose
3: and it's the most frustrating thing if i don't play regularly is precise timing which you kind of take for granted when you hear it when you hear banjo players that are good you don't notice how perfectly how perfect their their syncopation and their timing is um but when you don't play reggae, you just lose that muscle memory for, like, precise metronomic timing. And when you play banjo not in that time, it is the worst-sounding thing <laughs> imaginable. It's, yeah, it's, uh yeah, it's like a thousand
1: scorpion bites. What, all at once? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, well, I don't know, that feels like a... I don't know if just playing off time a little bit is really the equivalent of a thousand scorpions like that would kill a pr- I would
3: Well here well remember this hmm. scorpions ordinarily sting you with their tail so when they bite you it's just kind of mildly oh, irritating right, 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 right. it's just a <laughs> oh get yeah, out of here yeah, yeah yeah it's kind of but a thousand but a thousand of those <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's what, that's I should, I would love to do this. What did we do together? We sent, you did, you um, did the Titanic theme. Yeah, that's right. We did a mashup of, of, uh, bluegrass, adult contemporary, and hair metal. Yes. And I, so, I
1: had all of my, I had my costume from Rock of Ages. Yes. And so I, you and know, you were, uh, you, you sang, um, the
3: Titanic theme the Titanic, song yeah. as a hairband dude, which sounds amazing. Um,
1: but then you guys were all. And then we
3: played it acoustically as a bluegrass band
1: underneath you. That was super And then you fun. all came with the voice like, uh, near, far, wherever <laughs> you are. Like you guys were, yeah. you, you all came in with all the harmonies. Yeah, that was fun. That's good stuff. That <laughs> was really fun. Because it, it, you guys started playing. And I don't think everyone knew what the song was at right. first. And then I came from off stage, like dressed like a moron, right? Um, just you know, uh, whatever the first lyrics are, and then they immediately saw what the song was. Out across the water. Oh, is that it? Something like that, yeah. Far. yeah, I don't remember. what
3: Then I'm the right. chorus, yeah.
1: Near, far, wherever you are. Oh, that's right. And then for some reason. I started running around in circles and knocking everything over on stage. Like, I went, I, I went, I, for I, some reason? Well, the uh, reason being that it was hilarious and well, fantastic. You know, I, I was really invested in the character. Yeah.
3: Ed you, I didn't, I, I was like, where is Chris? Yeah, I wasn't for even the there. For the entire man. duration of that bit.
1: It's like, it was hard to, you know, it was hard to take the wig off metaphorically. Right. You know what I mean? I, like, did, I just, Believe me. It was always. I could feel it. <laughs> it was. Right <laughs> but that was really fun. That was a, uh, but the whole show, the whole show was great. And, like, wasn't, um, Noam, uh, uh, yeah. Noam Pichelny from yes, the, the punch, punch brothers. brothers. Yeah. Um, and that
3: night that, that show, which we did as part of the, the LA bluegrass situation festival was a show that I do from time to time at Largo, uh, called the whiskey sour radio hour, mm-hmm. which is more of that variety show. There's a lot of comedy mixed in. Yeah. Um, we're not doing that this year as part of the festival, Partly because um, this new venue is just so, such a more of a music venue, but I think the uh, the hope is to really stay true to those roots of of those first few years of the LA Bluegrass situation, which had so many great comedy people coming in. Will Farrell came and did it one year, and uh, it just. Uh, Jenny Slate and all these w- Nick Kroll, so many people popping in to just do fun bits as part of the the evenings. Uh, Sean and Sarah Watkins doing also did their Watkins Family Hour, so which is good. a phenomenal show. They do yeah. at Largo, and we put the, some of them out as podcasts. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
1: That's brilliant. Yeah, that's brilliant. So I ca- I called Sarah about a month ago, and I just uh, um. I said, you know, I just want to start making weird covers of songs. We would you? Would you? <laughs> and she was like, "Yeah, I'm on tour, but when I get back." And so, I mean, it just it it's kind of fun to know that. Uh, and, and they're like world class music- <laughs> musicians, uh, <laughs> and and, and in my
3: view, kind of the heart and soul of of the Los Angeles uh, bluegrass acoustic music scene because. They've been at it for so long. They are from here. They're from Southern California. Their their show at Largo, the Watchkins Family Hour, to me is like just the best that there is. The the best of what of what L A has to offer in that vein, and 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 they happen to be fantastic
1: people too. I mean, again, it just picturing California in a pre. Uh, freeway time mhm where you, and you, you you do kind of get this driving across country or driving if you drive up to San Francisco late at night or something, but where you 're you 're just in the middle of nowhere and you're just listening to a m radio you know, my family my dad hated flying, and so we drove a lot all oh, over wow. the country when I grow was up? a kid, um, mostly Tennessee, but we would drive you know my dad had this big white Cadillac that he called Bertha. <laughs> and so we would, we would just drive. I mean, I just remember Blake curling up in the back seat yeah, and just listening to AM radio, just that really low fi crackly, you know, and then totally, the, and then hearing these old radio shows or hearing old. I mean, it, and, it, and it's so it's, it's, um, I don't know if this makes sense. It's comfortingly eerie because you're so isolated, but you're, You're in
3: this vehicle. I don't know. Uh, No, I completely relate. I think like we did big road trips in our Oldsmobile station wagon, and uh, and we were back and forth to Nashville. I grew up in Atlanta, and my mom's family was in Nashville, so we were back and forth to there all the time as when I was a kid. And I would just curl up in the way back, and and it would be, you know, it could be AM sports radio that my dad was was listening to, and just. The hum of the freeway, the at the the sort of hypnotic rhythm of the of the streetlights over the freeway. Mm-hmm. If it was nighttime, and the knowledge, and just a a family being quiet together, and the knowledge that my parents kind of have everything under control. Yeah, you know, because when you're five, you 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 don't really take stock in that, but when you look back on it, you can
1: be like. That is what was so comfortable. And like, then you get old and you realize your parents were just faking it. The yes. Whole time. <laughs> <laughs> what? You mean you didn't know you didn't. anything? You're a fraud. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you ever stop at um, – I remember we used to – we would always stop at Cracker Barrel's and we'd always stop at Stucky's. Did you guys yeah, stop at the Stucky's, Stucky's? of course. Stucky's had those gross nut rolls that were like these weird marshmallow nut rolls that, that were good for like two bites and then, it was like, and then I couldn't stomach it anymore. God, Stuckey's had so much. That yeah. was that was a that was a that was like going into Christmas
3: every time. Mm-hmm. There was a Stuckey's on I75 that took us up to Nashville. There was a, a Dairy Queen right on the top of of uh Mount Eagle, which is a mountain pass that you go through. And uh we would always stop at that Dairy Queen and I would get a uh Butterfinger Blizzard. Uh-huh. Which I still, to this day, believe is nectar from <laughs> <laughs> Jesus's nipple. Is that is that sacrilegious? I don't know. <laughs> no, but
1: but what you know, if you're a religious person, there's no reason that Jesus couldn't have a delicious blizzard coming out of his nipple, no, I and mean, that's I, divine. I think, I think it is. I think
3: it is. Um, yeah, those were the, that. And I actually believe it's funny you brought up Stuckey's because we would stop at those truck stops and. Uh, and refuel or, and go in and get some beef jerky or whatever and also from time to time we would grab uh, a some of those cassette t- tapes that were on sure. the on the counter um, for sale and a lot of those were um, in that region they might be like appalachian string music or that and and I think that that was some of my earliest exposure were some of those weird truck stop cassette tapes right. of Appalachian music that you I mean,
1: would never find they, in any other music store. Of course. And they were, I
3: mean, of course the tape selection was varied that there would be like, you know, the cars, heartbeat city and uh <laughs> white snake yeah. and the scorpions. And then like some, a couple of weird things like, uh, like a comedy cassette or, and then the Appalachian string music or, or something. But mom had my mom who grew up in Nashville had some Ink. She wasn't a big fan of acoustic music, but but she did like it, and we would pick pick up those cassettes. And some of those, I think, were were where I first kind of got that taste for 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 that music.
1: Yeah, I I remember the the, the it's the same exact thing. And a lot of times, it, you didn't really even know exactly what you were buying. you were buying. You're like, well, we just need to kill time somehow because mm-hmm. you you can get so much in the open road at that at that time where there, you just couldn't hold the station for longer than like right. 30 minutes. Right, right. Even AM, you know, would, would, would cut out. So I was like, we got to listen to something. Yeah. Well,
3: also when you get up into some of the countryside up there, a lot of AM radio is very religious. Oh, yeah. And, um, and at times, like, like, kind of unpleasant and then jesus said with the
1: blizzard that sprang forth from his nipple
3: yeah (laughs) with the butterfinger blizzard squirting out
1: of his nipple (laughs) jesus was delicious
3: (laughs) um but it's yeah and my my parents didn't didn't go in for the religious stuff very much (laughs) is
1: this a segue into the fact are you doing vacation
3: yes in what way is that a segue
1: because you were talking about being in a station. Oh, road wagon. trips.
3: Yeah, of yeah. course. Um, great segue. Right? You
1: said you were in the station wagon. I immediately I was.
3: thought vacation. I'm doing vacation. I leave by the time this podcast airs. Mm-hmm. I will be on set. I leave Thursday um, for uh, for production.
1: What is the? I I heard. Okay, so I heard what I what someone said. Oh, the plot is this. But is it is it? Is it Rusty's grown-up? Is that So, the plus? yes,
3: that is exactly it. And it's kind of the only it's, – it's really the – it was my entry into this. Are you Rusty Griswold? This. I am Rusty Griswold. Come on.
1: Yes. That's weird, isn't it? That's it's, weird. It's You're a guy. Like, that's, no, it's weird in the sense that – This movie was such a part of our comedy development that was so much a part of our pop culture Yes. that if anyone asked you what are your ten favorite comedies, Vacation would probably be in the top ten. Totally. And now you're a guy. Anthony Michael Hall grew up to be you. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I mean, I know the other ones were great. I know European Vacation. I mean, I think Chris's Vacation was better than European Vacation.
3: But I I rank them differently. To me, it's Vacation, actually, in order. I think in order they got the The best one that's like best you know on down the line but um but originally, I got the script, and I had a meeting with with one of the producers and uh and i I just was like i why would I do this? I mean this is such a sacred cow for me i don't i don't i'm just not the idea of a re of like redoing this story and taking Chevy Chase's role in some way just didn't feel right. It didn't Mm -hmm. feel like something I wanted to do. And then, uh, my manager was like, just read it, just read the script and make an intelligent decision here. Most of my decisions are not made (laughs) intelligently. So I followed his advice. I read the script and, and I realized by page 10, Oh, this is rusty Griswold's movie. This isn't just a redoing of the Clark Griswold family story. Rusty is all grown up. This takes place in the world that we already know. Right. It's a, it's a really a continuation of the Griswold family saga. And that kind of, I thought right away, I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like that's kind of fun. And then I got through the script and the writers, uh, John Francis Daly of freaks and geeks and, uh, and Jonathan Goldstein just, it was so funny. It was so fun and light and just like, family comedy and all the stuff that i remembered loving about those movies it's its own movie it's different but it it's it, it's
1: respectful it just feels it just felt like a good yeah, it's, fit. it's time to check in on the griswolds again yeah find right? out where they are in their life yeah. so you're doing this and then son of fletch and then, um... <laughs> <laughs> i'm not doing fletch i'm doing son of fletch son of... yes um <laughs>
3: Yeah. And then I'm doing Modern Problems. Modern Oh, my and, God. Uh, I
1: literally <laughs> just thought, you know, that's so crazy that you say that. And then I'm Farm. Uh, <laughs> now you're good. <laughs> uh, the uh, I just thought about Modern Problems the other day. I was landing somewhere because I've been on so many airplanes in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, he was an air traffic controller in the movie. So for some reason... I thought about the thing where he first gets his powers, and then there's that airplane ashtray that like flies, and he's mad on the phone. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I fucking love Dabney Coleman in that because he's Chevy's pretty straight in that movie. Actually, he's he's kind of a he's just a he's a he's a very well. He gets
3: crazy he t- gets towards crazy. the end, but um, but yeah, he's a he's sort of the. Um, He's he's a normal guy who gets this these superpowers because his car fills up with toxic waste, which,
1: as you know, does not and, give you terrible cancer and, nine ways. <laughs> it's just you get telekinesis, uh,
3: and you have a beautiful green glow. Yeah, that's very reminiscent. And you can make of, your
1: wife orgasm with your brain, your
3: girlfriend orgasm with your brain. Yeah, um, he had a, the exact same glow, I believe, as um, oh my god, what's the what's the crazy little. Uh, Fat Blob Ghost in Ghostbusters. Slimer, Slimer, yes, of course. Um, They had the same green glow. Yep. I I believe that was the... uh, That was the standard effect. The peak of (laughs) of visual effects at the time. But yeah, Dabney Coleman, who is one of my favorite comedy actors of all time, 9 to 5, he is brilliant in that movie. He's amazing in everything. He's amazing at Cloak and Dagger, on down the line. Do
1: you remember um, uh, Short Time? Short Time I don't remember that Short what is Time that? is a movie Where he's a cop and, Oh yeah yeah Of and, course And he, he finds out he's gonna. They tell me he's, he's got Like a week to live Yeah So he wants, he, to, he wants he to He wants to, to die, die on, the, on the, job the job So that his family Gets the medicine. insurance <laughs> <laughs> So he becomes like This crazy <laughs> Super cop <laughs> That's and
3: amazing. Like, what a, a
1: brilliant movie. premise. Yeah, and it's just him being like, get him, get him, run the yeah. fucking car. It's like him jumping cars over things. And then, of course, you know, like... It's- <laughs> that was a time when those premises were
3: were new, and they were, like, fresh and real. And then, <laughs> and like, and all the great movie premises cashed in in the 80s, and now we're just rehashing, rehashing,
1: them. rehashing yeah. them. But, yeah, Dabney... Uh, that sh- I totally remember that movie. That's so funny when he, when Dabney was like a leading. He was a leading man. Like he could open. Like Dabney yeah. Coleman could open a movie. Yeah, and he was in. Uh, well, he's recently he was in Boardwalk, right? He was in Boardwalk Empire, but I think that was the last. <laughs> uh, I'm sad to say
3: that now when I try to picture Dabney Coleman, my brain goes to Doctor Phil, um, and that is not- a that's an unfortunate thing. <laughs> and I need to go get on. I need to. I need to. I need to Google Dabney quickly to wash Doctor Phil out of my out of my mind's eye. Yeah,
1: well, I just think in general you should try to wash Doctor Phil out of your mind's <laughs> eye, and then the Dabney Coleman thing. Hopefully, will wash it. yes, yes. Um, but that's a I mean, what a great cameo opportunity. A Dabney Coleman. I wonder if he's still. I mean, he's he, the the stuff I saw him in Boardwalk Empire. He was great, but I wonder if he's still super. Yeah, if, if, if you put him in a good comedy role, I wonder if he'd still be on top of it. Don't know. Well, let's find out. Yes, indeed. Put him in vacation. Um,
3: We will stop in and see the, you know, Rusty has his own kids, so we'll stop in and see the grandparents. Of course. Chevy and Beverly. Nice. um, At one point in the movie. And uh, yeah, I just can't. I feel very honored and at the same time, incredibly excited to be in,
1: to be a Griswold. To be the new number one Griswold, Rusty.
3: I mean, I hesitate to say the number one Griswold. It may always be Clark.
1: I know, but, you know, listen, Circle of Life. Sure. There should be the scene at the end of the movie where you have to take off his head. (laughs) <laughs> and, and hold it up. To what if you just found the Griswolds? Because it's a, it, it 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 is kind of a horror sounding name. What if it just turned out that they were kind of like the Adams family, but you didn't know? Because you don't really ever see them at home. No, You that's only true. ever see them out in the world. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. the 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 be, The beginning of the first vacation is kind of as much of the home we see.
1: If you found out that Clark. Had been a serial killer, and if you track all the different movies, that there had been like a number of murders, like in the in the Midwest, and then and Europe, and then around Christmas time, around mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. I don't think, it, I don't think it'd be weird. I yeah. think you would be like, oh, yeah, you could buy that. That's why you know, like, that's why he was trying so hard to approximate like what a normal family would go do because he was <laughs> trying to keep up the appearance. Yeah,
3: he was trying too hard, too hard. Yeah. And that's why I would love to see you know when uh, they cut those cut trailers of of genre movies to be different genres. Yes, I would love to see the Griswold horror genre. Oh, trailer. I, I,
1: I'm surprised that hasn't been done. It may
3: have been done. It may have been done, are you guys going to wally world? I am not at liberty to discuss the free
1: country man the it's a free script. country man i'm just gonna say
3: it's in the book Fuck no 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 that's that's uh that's those time life books remember oh, those commercials yeah
1: what it's, was it. It? it's in the book was that time life the time life book no, it was
3: some kind of uh Encyclopedia series or something.
1: Oh, oh, oh. That was the... Uh, you're talking about um, with the kid? With, no, 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 no. Not the Britannica. Right. With, with, who was with, Stan Freeberg's kid? Who? Stan Freeberg. Who's a old-timey comedian guy. Stan Freeberg. That was his kid. Wow. The Encyclopedia Britannica guy. Yeah. With, yeah. with like, uh, yeah. long hair
3: and glasses. The poor kid who probably... And... and hammer pants and vet-
1: he wore like hammer pants and a vest <laughs> and then he'd be like we're going to flash the number on the bottom of the screen he'd go excellent like yeah they, they wanted like a snarky <laughs> David Spade type kid right, right in the 90s it was very much a product of like was like in the '90s when we were just starting to toy with sarcasm and irony. And so <laughs> he did a good job. He did a good job with it. And but I will, I'll never forget
3: whenever he, they flashed the number on the screen and he'd like look at it and yeah. interact with it. His eye line was always off. And oh that, yeah, that infuriated me.
1: And he just had this bad relationship to the voiceover, and he was in this weird neut- neutral environment that felt like. They've imprisoned this child. Yeah. (laughs) And this guy is just taunting him. And the only connection this kid has to the outside world is that voice in the books. And so the kid's just naturally prickly. Right, right, right. He just wants to... He just doesn't know. He's been raised in captivity.
3: No, what was the book series that was... Where it's like a guy telling every commercial was someone telling someone about the book. It's in the book, and then they would say, "Well, so what happens?" And the guy, and then the answer was always, "It's in the book." I don't know. And I-, was- I know what you're. Does talking that ring about a, a bell?
1: Remember- it could be a Time Life series. I
3: think it was like a science, uh, like is it Mysteries of the Unknown, something, or- something like that, or is it? It's like it tells you how the Grand Canyon was formed. Well, how was it formed? It's in the it's book. In the book. By the book I can't remember what that was Anyway okay. it's in the script I should say What the Griswold What Rusty Griswold's family does is, uh, is in the script And it will be in the movie And you will need to see it Now is learn. Rusty married to his sister Because they had a weird chemistry in the first movie <laughs> uh, Rusty is not okay. Married to his sister thankfully Okay okay um, So time, life, the yes, Mysteries of the unknown is. Is. Great call it's in the book. That Time Life Mysteries of the Unknown might actually tell you the plot of Vacation <laughs> as well. Really? I don't know. I can't verify
1: that. But... Um, it might be in the book. It the plot <laughs> of this vacation movie was on on an in an Incan <laughs> yes, <laughs> an old Incan wall print. Yeah, va- the, yeah. Uh, vac-
3: the original painting. vacation was a remake of an Incan uh, pictograph <laughs> that that entertained
1: uh, thousands of Incans what for is, centuries. What is the movie called? Does it have it's called Vacation. This is called Vacation. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, congratulations.
3: Thanks. Yeah, I'm super excited
1: about it. So uh, bl- the bl- Bluegrass Festival is at the Ace Hotel. The L.A. Bluegrass Situation 10th and 11th at the of October.
3: Ace Hotel, 10th and 11th of October.
1: TheBluegrassSituation.com. Ed Helms on Twitter. Anything else you want to Um. Go down the
3: Grand Canyon.
1: You want to plug the Grand Canyon? I want to
3: plug the Grand Canyon. I don't want to actually plug it. No, that would be terrible. There because be- the-, the Hoover Dam yeah. has done a good job of that. Yep. Or a terrible job of it, depending on your point of view. Oh, the Hoover
1: Dam is um,
3: uh, terrifying. Well, the Glen Canyon Dam is above the Grand Canyon, and then the Hoover just Dam is below skeeved, it. Getting skeeved, even just talking
1: about the Hoover Dam. I went there earlier this year. Why? Why are you? Well, you're, you're because sh- it's so. There's you. You would die in such a horrible way. Like it's so. It's so big. That when you're walking on the dam, like when you when you're driving across up to the dam and then you're walking across it, I just kind of get that, that prickly feeling in my in my extremities. Yeah, where it just feels like it's too high. And then you see there's even like a higher part where people can look down on it. And I, it's like even looking up there, you have a heights thing. I guess I do. I mean, I, I have a heights thing, and I but I have a thing. It's not so much. I understand what you
3: mean. Like things that are that are man made and massive, massive. are massive. Yeah. Yes. Like massive. like the like I was once in a uh, a little like. Rubber, um, you know, like Zodiac kind of thing with an outboard motor, yeah. And we were just going from like a dock to my cousin's sailboat or something. And we went by this was in uh in Oakland, which is one of the biggest um container ship ports Mm -hmm. in the country, yeah. And we drove by a container ship in our little Zodiac thingy, (laughs) and the scale of it was so terrifying. I couldn't even tell you what I was afraid of. I just had this like deep dread. The terror of this giant ship because you
1: have to imagine that going back to the lizard brain yeah nothing should be that big yeah you're right i it's, mean if, you're, if you if yeah. it's a very lizard brain proto man if proto man sees something that big you should it's going to kill you yeah it's not whatever that is is not a good thing right so it it just feels it just feels, it feels automatically wrong. deadly. And the Hoover Dam did that
3: to you. Yeah, it did that to me. And it's and, and it's Doesn't it? Does the Hoover Dam also have the crazy intake thing that's like a giant black hole? I like if you look into Lake Mead, there's a there's an intake that would just like suck you into oblivion and
1: grind you through <laughs> through the electric turbines and then spit you out the spillway? I don't I don't know. I didn't I didn't look that far. It was very hard for me to like I had to inch my way up to it and then they have these they have these bathrooms and everything sort of looks like, you know, like art deco. Right, right. It's and all
3: it's all very uh like like Marvel comic
1: villain. Totally. Yeah. Totally. It uh, it looks like uh Lex Luthor's Yes. <laughs> palace. That's right. And uh, and it is it, it 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 was it was really terrifying to me in a and, and I had to it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, you know, you Weird. Gotta, gotta get past That's that. spooky. Yeah. Well, the Grand Canyon still worth it. Yep, still worth it to go. Yep. yep. And now I might actually take a vacation there. I mean, I'm sure there's only a few a handful of months out of the year where you can actually do that, right? You can't. Um, I think it's a lot of months. It's uh it's like sept or
3: uh, it's spring th- early spring through fall. Okay. Yeah. And then, and they run it year round. It just gets insane because sure. it does get super cold. But the hardcore people do it year round. Um and uh, don't do it by yourself in an inner tube. What? Go go with a professional. Why?
1: So you shouldn't do this thing that people used to do, like that uh, that stunt people in the nineteen thirties would do. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get in a barrel and go over the Niagara yeah. Falls. Yeah. Oh, that guy died. Hey, get, hey, I'm gonna get in this
3: barrel. Drop me off the Empire State Building. Yeah. <laughs> Guess We're, what? Barrel not
1: <laughs> not protective in, not, at all. Not not the same as a. It's uh, just a murder tube. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going <laughs> to barrel no because if i'm in the barrel it's going to take the brunt of the force right, and that'll be okay right no 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 it's going to try to squish you out the if, little open... if you don't suffocate first <laughs> you will <laughs> You will
3: also get smashed. <laughs> it'll and you will die of a million splinters.
1: It'll spit you <laughs> like a like a jizwad out of the, the opening the, the bunghole. Yeah. that that's actually called
3: the bunghole.
1: <laughs> the hole in the top of a barrel is is literally called that. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's exactly what would happen. So don't go off things in barrels, mm-hmm. please. Uh, but do go to the Ed at helms thank you so much for being thanks here thanks a lot this has been a blast it's always good to see you enjoy your burrito everyone indeed
2: all single ladies 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 all single ladies, all single ladies. with your hands up up in the club, just broke up doing my own thing Decided to dip, now you want a trip Cause another brother noticed me I'm up on head, he's up on me Don't pay him any attention I Cried my tears, three long years and he can't be mad at me Yeah, it be like a daddy should've put a ring on it Yeah, it be like a daddy should've put a ring on it Don't be mad when you see that he wants it Yeah, be like a daddy should've put a ring on it Oh, 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 oh. oh, oh, oh. oh, oh, some ladies mind my hips, on my tight and on jeans Acting up, with drinking my cups. Don't care less what you think. I don't need no permission. Did I mention? Don't pay you any attention. You had your turn, now you're gonna learn. My reasons, do blackness means Yeah, If you like it, then you should put a ring on. If you like it, then you should put a ring on. Don't be mad, just yeah, like see the heat one. If you like it, then you should put a ring on. Oh 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 Oh, 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 Don't treat me to the things of this world. Well, I'm not that kind of a girl. Your love is what I prefer. What I deserve is a man who will make me and take me and deliver me to a destiny to infinity and beyond. So pull me in your arms, say, I'm the one you own, because if you don't, you'll be alone and like a ghost. Well, I'll be gone. All sing, All sing, All sing, All singly All sing, Put your hands up. you yeah, like a you a ring on. Yeah, like a, baby, put a ring on. Don't be mad to that he wants you yeah, like a baby, put a ring on Oh oh oh. Oh oh oh. oh.
1: And dragged from the internet onto the end of the Nerdist podcast was Neil Hankin with all the single ladies. Uh, You can go to his YouTube page, uh, which is Neil Hankin. And uh, that's what we just talked about on the podcast that you just listened to. See how things pay off sometimes. It's worth it to stay all the way through and not bail out halfway through a podcast. And ye has been rewarded with the blue grassiest of treats. Ha 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 ha.
2: Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.
0: Murder on My Mind, a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus, explores the circumstances leading up to the murder of two young men and the mistrials of the man accused of killing them. Up-and-coming rapper YNW Melly gained notoriety in the hip-hop world for his shocking lyrics and criminal exploits. When two of his best friends were gunned down in a drive-by shooting, investigators suspected the young rapper staged the scene. But after not one, but two trials that ended in hung juries and new evidence that may place YNW Melly at the scene of the crime, his trial has been paused indefinitely. With countless twists and turns, Law & Crime covers all angles of the case and begs the question, is this young artist the victim of a witch hunt or a silver-tongued devil who's evil to the core? Listen to Murder on My Mind exclusively and ad free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.